Welcome back to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. I'm Dave Forsyth from Edge of Tomorrow Minute. And I'm Mike Josick from For Your Consideration and a podcast named Scooby-Doo. Hey, Mike and Dave. Thanks for you both coming back from last week. Uh, good old Minute 74. Long time to see, huh? You, you can't keep me out of Cleveland, Eric. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yep, that's good old Dave as our co-host. Um, and Mike, uh, thank you so much. It's, it's uh, qu- quite an interesting uh, second podcast. Uh, b- both podcasts seem pretty interesting there that you got. But uh, that second one, the old Scooby-Doo. Gosh, growing up with Scoob and the gang <laughs> as a kid. I, lo- I loved it. I even had I even had like uh like a the, the Play-Doh form form uh forming uh template things for the Scooby for, Gang for for I'm yeah for I'm I'm sure, pretty sure for all what is it five or six characters I don't know five, if I, yeah. I don't know if there was a scrappy one at that point <laughs> That's great yeah I've also taken like it's it's primarily Scooby Doo but there is kind of a broader Hanna Barbera yeah mandate as well so mm-hmm. Eric, if you need to make a Play-Doh Scrappy-Doo, you just take the Scooby-Doo head and tear off half the body. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, this is Minute 75, and it starts with the band on stage, mostly in the dark, and ends with the band playing an up-tempo song. Yeah, my favorite part about this minute is that this is probably like three days of shooting. And it's condensed down into like <laughs> 60 seconds-ish, right? Or it's probably more like 75 seconds spanning the two or three minutes here, right? So Yeah, that's that's probably pretty likely. It's, yeah, I mean, because it's, it's got to be, it's got to be tough to wrangle those people. And, and, and I know the, the one next other, other big scene in, in a concert venue, and I think it might've even been this, these might've been something that, that could have been shot out of order. Um, because it, it does seem pretty similar to the other venue they were in earlier. <laughs> um, so they might have gotten a lot done, actually, uh, in, in just this one venue. Um, but uh, we even had, uh, uh, for the, for, uh, the couple minutes there, um, uh, uh, we had uh, Jerry Porter and, uh, and uh, Pete Mummert uh, from uh, Indiana Jones Minute. But Jerry Porter being, being the professional drummer that he is was, was able to give a lot of great insight into this uh how these concerts go and so forth and what it might have been like really and and how uh people be, people behave too i think a bit was was a big part of it what we talked about yeah and you know when you've got this many extras because this is i'm sure not the type of movie that would digitally insert a crowd right, yeah, right. um they probably got it all in one day i don't imagine they'd want to hire that many extras for multiple days and that was basically the reason they as we discussed in the previous minute only had time for that one shot for the huddle because they had all those people waiting outside oh right yeah so they had to basically steal that shot and then go outside and film the concert yeah when you know that what we think there's like three songs in this montage right Right, yeah, and that's um, that, yeah. I, I definitely was talking about in the green room. That's, a, that's something I kind of was going to get at here, yeah. um, and, and it's kind of right, right about the twenty-four, twenty-five second mark, and then again, like the forty-two-ish second mark, 
So that 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 one in the middle is the kind of the crazy one to me, because there was the the previous minute uh, forty nine, where there was this sound and and the guests I had on then at least one of the two I think, uh, she definitely uh, understood what I was saying when there there's a sound there's a guitar sound in it. It, 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 they're, they're backstage and this guitar sound comes in, you know, somewhat non-diegetically, um, oddly, that sounds a lot like a, a game slash learning instruction I use called Rocksmith. Hmm. Um, so you plug a real guitar in, you know, and you have the, but you have the notes, the color notes coming at you, much like uh, rock band and guitar here or what have you. Right, um, but it plays with a real guitar. Yeah, right? yeah, with a real yeah. guitar, and it, it senses if whether or not fairly well <laughs> whether or not you're getting the right note, right, the, the correct notes played. Yeah, but, as long um, as your guitar is in tune, right? But yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah <laughs> tuning the guitar is, is definitely important for it. But um, you know, there's just 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 when, when the when the game is loading, there's this one guitar sound that was you know eerily similar, and she kind of realized when I said it that uh, I think it was Conjure that I was talking to. Um, uh, that uh, she goes, oh yeah, I, I know that I know that game, and I know what you're, that that guitar sound that you're talking about. Um, so I f- I kind of feel like it's a pretty similar guitar tone, and it could be the the same song that uh, that that was grabbed for just that one one uh, note being played to to get that uh, uh, intro load load sound for the game. But but then also put into this this movie, from you know I mean it's it's thirteen years prior to the game being made, so yeah the game got it from Cameron, <laughs> got it and got you know Cameron was said you know oh yeah I'll give it to you, maybe. Here's the important question though, Eric, would you buy the Stillwater DLC for for uh, Rocksmith? I, I actually there, there's custom DLC. So a, a big thing is I had the game on PS3 for quite a while and I was buying all this DLC for it. And then uh, recently I did get upgrade a, a little bit. Uh, feel like felt like I got a good enough uh, desktop computer instead of trying it on laptop um, uh, this past year. Uh, and uh, got, went ahead and got it uh, from Steam, the, the game from Steam and started downloading a lot of <laughs> a lot of custom C, uh, custom DLC. And uh, I'm almost positive I did get Fever Dog. <laughs> nice, but that's that's the only one that anyone had put up, at least as of like three or four months ago. Yeah, for for a fake band, that's definitely their biggest hit. Yeah. Right? So. Mm-hmm. so so that middle song, I don't actually know what it is. I probably could have shazammed it, maybe, and figured it out, and or, or listened listened to given another listen to recently of all of uh, Stillwater songs. <laughs> Um, and probably maybe figure it out. Maybe it's one of one of them, but maybe I have a thing it's not too, possibly. If anyone out there's listened recently, <laughs> please uh, please uh, you know contact the show. Uh, you can email us at uh, almostfamousminute at gmail dot com. But um, uh, and then the last song is uh, though I do have that uh, name. It's the uh, the song uh, you had to be there, and it's, and it's actually you know it's not coming like like the. Uh, Love comes and goes. We came into that last minute at the beginning of the song with Jeff singing, and and that's actually kind of continued what until uh, second oh, twenty or so. Um, and uh, uh, but for the you had to be there song, it's definitely kind of in the middle when it comes when we when we get the uh, 
you know, 20 seconds of it roughly played for the last uh, 20 seconds of this almost. So I know you like to play the influences game. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you who I think each of these sure. songs were sort of modeled after. So the the first one, Love Comes and Goes, right? I think that's got a very moody, bad company sort of yeah. feel to it. <laughs> I keep every time it switches when when Jeff goes from yeah. away from the piano, I want exactly. to sing "Bad Company." Exactly, it's that that bad. specific moment is yeah. is when he stands up is sort of the bad yeah. company moment for sure. Um, and the second, which unnamed at this point that we think, um, I think is kind of the Skinner Almond deep guitar jam kind of end of things. Um, and then the 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 third one you had to be there um has more of the if you take some of the eagles more upbeat rocker style songs i think that sort of hits that that side of their influences so that's that's what i think we're i think that's who i think we're dealing with today so although these were, were these were all written by um uh frampton and um uh, Nancy, Nancy Wilson, Wilson right? Yeah. yeah, and then and then even supposedly Cameron for maybe one or two of them for little parts of one or two of them, you know, little little extra lyric writing or something. Are you talking about all the songs or just the ones featured here? I'm pretty all all of. The I'm actually I'm looking Stillwater. at the song credits right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure all of the Stillwater songs. So besides the Stillwater songs and then the the pop rock what have you you know the actual songs from the 70s that are that are played throughout um sometimes not correctly you know time timeline wise um but uh then there's the the nancy wilson only you know just her you know you know doing doing what she needed to do to to create something more much more score like almost right yeah um looking at what what, what, yeah what, what do you see so hour of need and you had to be there were written by Gordon Kennedy, Peter Frampton, and Wayne Kirkpatrick. Fever Dog, Love Thing, and Love Comes and Goes were written by Cameron Crowe and Nancy Wilson. And Chance Upon You was Cameron Crowe, Nancy Wilson, and Ann Wilson. Oh, and two of you. Wow. So. Very cool. A little bit of heart action there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I won't argue with that. But yeah, that's... um, I I'm pretty sure that all three of these songs we see in this montage, this is the only place in the movie that they appear, right? I think love comes and goes appears elsewhere. Does it? Okay. And, and and you know for what you were saying, Dave, about like play the inspiration game, and and I I, I kind of feel like that that the, the first one, love comes and goes. I mean that's that really is hitting home for me as feeling from this early mid seventies era, you know, it, it's, it's not far off at, if, if at all in my mind, but these latter two, and there was, there was, that's, that's why I talked about uh, definitely for the, for the one that had, that was around the time of that guitar sound I was talking about in minute 49. Um, uh, especially that one. And I think that one, it's, it's so far in the background of, of the venue. It, you can barely hear in the, in the, in the soundtrack of in the actual audio of the movie but you know it, it it is it is findable it's it's out there it's either it could have even been one one of the you know it could have besides fever dog i forget what else exactly is on the soundtrack itself the soundtrack album cd what have you um 
but but they're all what I'm getting at is all these other ones. I feel like I, I think Fever Dog and Love Comes and Goes are the most seventies ish, but then the rest of these all have these touches of more nineties of a vibe, and especially like I was saying that definitely that uh, the one from that's that's very low in the mix. And I, the venue. I, I, there is one problem I have with um, the the last one in this montage. You had yeah. to be there. It, the the drums feel totally out of place to me like they don't sound like 70s drums at all to me they don't they don't feel as squishy as yeah. 70s drums would right they're they're sharper they mm-hmm. they sound very matt cameron like uh soundgarden um yeah. um pearl jam matt cameron kind of style drums to me where they're they're sort of they're sharp and they're bright they're not that sort of like you know keith moon john bonham clobber them and, and yeah. let the dust settle kind of sound you know so i don't know i mean there, i'm sure there were bands that sounded like that like the the progier bands of the 70s i'm sure yeah. had drums that sounded just like that but it just doesn't feel like the type of band that um that stillwater is trying to be to me but that's you know that's a very that's a very subjective opinion i think mm-hmm. But I do think all of the Stillwater songs, I mean, are are all legit good songs. You know, whether or not they they feel out of place is, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and certainly what I'm saying, I'm not saying that I don't. You know, I I do like I do like them all pretty well, but yeah, it's it's just that you know, in in, in trying to fit them into this movie, eh, you know, there's there's a couple essentially that you know, if if that yeah, if, like what you're saying with the, the drum sound, or there's something about them that sounds a little too '90s <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I, I wish that wasn't the case. I I could get into them more while I'm watching a movie, maybe, or you know, uh, thinking thinking about a movie while 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 listening to them as a group of songs uh, would be nice. But can't always get what you want. <laughs> So while you guys were chatting, I was doing a little bit of digging. Oh, yeah. And sure. uh, the middle song is Hour of Need. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's definitely one that was played elsewhere. That, 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 that could have and been there, that one I'm talking about in the uh, in the minute 49. I was digging around and uh, I found actually a YouTube video of the full uncut yeah. footage of the mm-hmm. the Hour of Need song. Nice. Done basically as a music video. And... Uh, yeah, that segment with Russell <laughs> kind of doing that crunchy guitar solo. Uh, I've got it paused like right on the scene. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, at mid, or second twenty one. Well, actually, that's that's for the for the first song though. I think still the, the the camera angle here for for a moment at least where I was where I was I had to pause myself was <laughs> was was very interesting to be so so you know shot from down below kind of crowdish but but not because he kind of walks past it a little bit even but uh it's just 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 just, you don't see it too often i don't think kind of that as close as it is to him yeah there's a lot of um like there's a lot of interesting crowd stuff going on during this performance too like uh i think it's during the middle song during hour of need when you start seeing all the roses on stage Mm-hmm. And the uh, and um, 
somebody in the crowd is actually holding one up. There's like yeah, a, this yep, yellow shirt girl. Yeah, right. The yellow satiny shirt blonde lady, and but then there's like four or five roses sort of scattered yeah. around the stage, and it's like yeah, that's that's supposed to be a Neil Young thing. Is oh, what okay. I think we figured out because uh, that was kind of in I think a deleted scene, or maybe it was really in the. Sh- um way back you know during during the during the, that one other main concert uh them on stage in a concert uh shot but not not electrocution electrocution <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's a great crowd too yeah right they're into it the whole way through and they're they're um sort of pressing the stage and you know and it actually made me think about yeah the about the who in because yep. that was also in ohio right which uh, my, my, well, my cousin was at oh really wow yeah. and that was 79 78 yeah that sounds right yeah um so this would have been before that um and you don't see those the steel barriers with the big gap and the long line of security you see what maybe two dudes and windbreakers um out in the crowd but uh this, i mean this isn't the same size as, as that that was that was some very large auditorium i think so yeah, they, they have their they have their black caps on with uh, yellow security written on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually sent me down a, a whole other rabbit hole of trying to like figure out what um, what Cleveland venue they might have been trying to yeah. to replicate. <laughs> um, and I, I I did come up with a couple candidates, um, but the, there's a place called the Arena or maybe the Agora Theater. Uh, I don't think either of them are still there. Um, but they're they're both around the um, twelve hundred to two thousand, um, slightly more um, capacity, and they were you know both sort of the heavy rock venues that the places that bands like the you know the bands that influenced this would have would have played at some point. Um, <laughs> but obviously was, these are all sets you know places from San Diego or or wherever around uh, Southern California that this was shot. But um, then it got me down further down the rabbit hole. I started looking to see. In 1973, on on the tour with Cameron, the Almonds played. Where where did the Almond Brothers play in Cleveland? And it turns out they didn't. They yeah. played Cincinnati twice <laughs> in January and November, but they never made it to Cleveland. So they played Cincinnati Gardens both times, which is a big sports arena that holds about 10,000 people. So they were in '73. The Almonds were bigger than <laughs> than Stillwater's pretending to be at this point. So. But anyway, that, that's what happens when you give me some free time and a project yeah. to work on. <laughs> um, there, there is the uh, classic uh, uh, beach, fo- beach, beach ball <laughs> being bounced around at a couple points you can see in the crowd. There's um, one other thing like back at the very beginning of the minute that um, I noted that <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was trying to... Mm, enhance some of the, the interband tension again but it's like right during jeff's intimate moment on the roads we still get his blue light on and you you hear somebody in the audience yelling and they're yelling we love you russell or something like yeah, that yeah yeah I, I do remember hearing that yeah <laughs> which you know when everything was quiet like that in that intimate moment they definitely would have heard on stage <laughs> yeah. and so i you know like jeff's having his moment and and they love russell so or sorry, I, I actually really like that moment with Jeff because yeah. uh, I kind of like noted that as well. And like on a second viewing, I wanted to see if Jason Lee played it any differently. But I kind of got the feeling that 
when they're performing, when they're the band on stage, it's all about the music and just playing mm. the best that they can. And it's maybe a little bit less about the egos. I like that interpretation. I was thinking maybe it was just ADR and there was nothing for him to react to yeah. actually in that right. moment. But I like actually putting it into the into the story <laughs> where, you know, it really did happen. And the, the, it, it's not about that. It's not about the egos. It's It's about the music man, right? So... It's all happening on stage. Jeff has said he he acknowledges that Russell is a fantastic guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's nothing to do with his playing or his gift or his talent. It's everything to do with the personalities. And what they agreed to <laughs> when they started. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um there there is this nice little like seconds 40 40 something, I think. Uh yeah, 40 yeah, forty five, forty six, where they're where they're kind of singing. He's, you know, Jeff is a lot, you know, positioning his body and so forth in the microphone in such a way that that Russell can easily bend over a little bit and sing. They're both singing at the same time, seems like. Um, but then additionally, additionally, just not long after that, like seconds fifty or like forty nine to fifty one, fifty two, right behind Penny. Just a little bit, you know, to the left. A head with glasses appears. <laughs> so you guys get just a little bit of, uh, I think, oh, Jimmy sure. Fallon. Yeah, I think that could be. <laughs> I thought I had spotted him on the side of the stage earlier. Yeah. Or you, I think we talked about that in the last minute. Like, this is a guy who's like enthusiastically clapping right after Dick does his announcement. Um, yeah. so, so oh, that's that, totally Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. So yeah, I, you can see the collar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's got to be six inches long. <laughs> you know that could totally calling back to the previous minute when we were talking about uh, Dick's reaction and, and whether it was you know just being exhausted after a long work day or whether it was his knowledge that you know the other manager yeah, right. was sent there by the label. He's clearly there. He's clearly mm-hmm. in the building. So I mean, uh, it could be one or both of those things. And clearly not the heart attack that I predicted when I first saw the film. <laughs> I mean, if anyone out there is a candidate for an onstage grabber, <laughs> right, it's Dick. So That maybe showed like less faith in, in Crow for me as a filmmaker, because like that would have been such a bringing the band together. That's like the Phil Coulson moment, right? The manager <laughs> dies and everyone's like, we got to do this for Dick. Yeah, that would have changed the the end of the movie or the the next uh, act of the movie for sure. I think we can all say we're glad it didn't go that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When that that shot, when we do um, sort of see Jimmy Fallon in the background, it let's get that sort of slow zoom in on on Penny. Um, her her looks a little changed from from the previous minute when she was had that sort of pride in getting her job done, and she. It looks like she's sort of mouthing along with the words and and um, she's a little more engaged in the music and, and sort of enjoying herself, the the fruits of her labor a little bit more than just, uh, you know, the amazement at it. So I think that's it's it's good to see that the, you know, the rock can can um, overwhelm even 
um, the most jaded of, <laughs> of, uh, you know, she, how many times has she seen this band and how many different yeah. bands has she seen? You know, like she's still getting into it. It's still, it's still the passion is still there for her. She's still got mileage left as a muse. Right. So. Yeah. And William, William also though, is also, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of rocking out at, at, at that low, lower level. Yeah. <laughs> but he's getting into it more than he seemed to be. <laughs> than he was showing much much like you you described dave yeah right yeah so seeing as how this is kind of a music heavy and less narrative heavy minute um can i ask your indulgence to revisit minute 74 briefly oh yeah of course okay so we just talked about dick and the moment that we talked about in the previous minute we talked about jimmy fallon being behind kate hudson and you got me curious. So I went and I loaded up the previous minute again and I watched mm-hmm. the dick scene and there's a guy in a leather jacket standing wow. just to the left of the screen. Yeah. Who Dick looks at after he makes the announcement. And I think it's Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. He's sort of enthusiastically clapping. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I think that could be him. So that that sort of, you know, either he gets around during the show, or or we misplaced uh, Penny and William and, and the other band aids earlier. Well, but, to me, what that means is that that Dick is even further back, you know, backstage to the side, but but towards you know, I I, I think Jimmy Fallon is in the same place that he is in the next minute, but Dick is further back. Yeah, that could be. That's why I hope. <laughs> I hope there isn't that we, we we have spot spotted some uh, shenanigans in uh, people placement uh, in the uh, in the uh, in the house in uh, Topeka. Oh right, yeah. In the, the morning after, there's there's a couple jump arounds. Even even not not only of the uh, of the you know morning after party goers. There's there's even a, there's a couple that uh, uh, you know a guy and a girl that seem to jump around in, in location in the big. Kind of, you know, very, very uh, today-ish, uh, house plan-wise, open, open space <laughs> <laughs> um, for the time is odd, but for back then, but I think a little bit. But um, uh, even William jumps around at one point. Yeah, it's either them moving around or or the camera violates the one eighty rule, yeah. right? Like it it may have swung around past its uh, past the imaginary plane there. So yeah, yeah. Theoretically, Kate Hudson is just slightly off to jimmy fallon's yeah. left mm-hmm. so the positioning of the camera by dick that could that could totally hold up well and it also tells me that the the stuff that's you know right behind dick's head on the right side of the frame are the amps probably yeah the amps or the the, the pas maybe yeah the big yeah. big box pas or yeah yeah that's that's what i really meant <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Sort of one of them sort of has that that edge of the horn looking, you know, from the <laughs> I want to call it a tweeter, but it's like 4 yeah. feet wide. Horn, I think it would be called. Yeah. It could just be funny geography as far as the the staging cuz as yeah. Eric pointed out, this film is not bereft of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh there's actually there's some inconsistencies coming up, I think, in the minute right after this when they're all in the dressing room as well. Um, 
if you want to watch the positioning of Russell's beer bottle. And uh, that's something that when I notice it, it kind of stands out, but it also, and my head could be completely up my ass in saying this, but because the story is sort of told from the point of view, like I feel like there's unreliable narrators here Mm. and, Mm. and it is not like a factual document. Oh yeah. And, and the way that sort of it's filmed and put together, I weirdly feel that the inconsistencies sort of feed the, the overall atmosphere of the film and the, the chaos and the wonder and the, it's a fantastical element at that point. Yeah. So, well, that's something I was I was just saying with with you know again going back to <laughs> Star Wars. Um, I, I've had this bone of contention kind of that I've tried to you know every now and then some people not I don't sound like I talk about it incessantly but <laughs> but uh, the idea that 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 the humans that we know as humans the actors that are <laughs> playing these characters that are obviously don't have you know great special effects you know makeup or cg done to them uh in the star wars universe that the humans are not really humans probably (laughs) it's some other species and we're there and we're just a stand-in for them because this is just a story that's being told to us a long time ago and it can't be far far away you know um and and even the side caveat to that that i've that i've said a couple times um not every time i've (laughs) tried to propagate the story kind of um is that uh i kind of came up asked the question and i kind of came up with the one answer at least is what non-animated movie or even video even cartoon or or not not a a tv show what non-animated video does not have any humans and the one I came up with is a puppet one. <laughs> it's not animated. <laughs> uh, Dark Crystal. And I haven't I haven't heard any other ones after that. I don't think. I I'd have to give that thought. Yeah. Right. The Star Wars theory is an interesting theory, though. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like how in films, any foreign character basically, when they're speaking English, speaks in like a British accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's like a cipher. Yep. So that we can wrap our heads around it. It's different enough, but it's still the same. It's in a universe far, far away where Shakespeare was very popular. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weirdly satisfied that we were able to, to unpack that uh, that important dick scene. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's given some importance and, and significance to this moment beyond uh, beyond the obvious concert shenanigans. There's actual narrative thing happening here. And despite all the shenanigans they're having with reality in this movie, I will say there's there's one little detail of, of realism that's probably totally imagined by me, but it, it brings me a little bit of joy that, um, you know, Russell's playing a Les Paul here. And oh. the the guitar tones and sounds in these songs in my in my mind and my my practiced musical ear um are very les paul sort of sounds like you know this this doesn't sound like you're you're 
Stratocaster sort of uh, guitar tones. This this feels very much, you know, fat double humbucker Les Paul solid body guitar to me. So, so I appreciate that little detail, whether it's you know true or not. Who knows? How do you guys feel about Jeff Beebe's stage presence? Does he radiate lead singer rock star? Or rock star on the rise? He feels very happy most of the time. Which, you know, like I would would expect a little more brooding maybe. But I think maybe that's part of the agreement, right? Like that uh, Russell's yeah. the, the mysterious brooding one. There's such a casualness to how he like gets up from the piano. It's like he's getting up to change the channel on the TV. (laughs) And I don't know if that's because it's like just the beginning of the show and he's not like in the groove yet or if that's just how Jason Lee's physicality is. But that's a moment that kind of took me out a little bit where I thought that's Jason Lee, not Jeff Beebe. (laughs) He does seem to have a very casual comfortability holding a microphone and managing the cable, right? Like that part of it certainly seems practiced to me if maybe not rock and roll lead singery but you know he's certainly not swinging around by its cable and you know uh doing doing too many antics with it but he, he looks well yeah i mean I, I don't see him being freddie mercury with it yeah 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 no <laughs> you know <laughs> and we certainly we certainly have and i mean and gosh their most popular song about human rhapsody where he would go from playing piano to saying up to sing the rest of the song but um uh but you know and, and part of what jeff's doing is is right he is standing up to you know and at the same time getting the microphone off the off the stand you know and and, and the cord even you know you know uh, uh kind of you know make making it jump you know <laughs> around <laughs> around the corner of the of the of the keyboard um but yeah, I mean, how, but then how he ends up holding it, I think, I think works really well. I mean, it's, you know, and he puts his arm up in it, you know, and it's, and the only thing I have with that aspect though is, I mean, I, I like, I like it, but just from it being our side of the, 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 where the camera is, that it's a little bit, you know, covering his mouth and that's, that's the big reason to do it. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Because it's not him singing. <laughs> Yeah, I also kind of wondered. I also kind of wondered if it might be like character based, or because obviously you know Russell's the more popular of the two, and if if Jeff's stage presence maybe isn't as sexy, yeah, and uh, you know he's obviously he's a competent singer, but uh, you know you watch the difference between Jason Lee's physicality and Billy Crudup's physicality, and you know Billy's got the the rock guitar god thing kind of going and uh i don't get that as much from jason so it's kind of why i asked because i was curious like if it was character based if you thought it was character based or if you thought it was you know just jason lee or just the the blocking or you know whatever it happened Mm -hmm. to be or story based or not yeah yeah he doesn't doesn't seem to have the same authority out there that that Russell does, that's for sure. So, that's a good word, actually. 
Yeah. He's he's not as emphatic with his presence. He's he's got a lot of like good crowd gestures, I think, and and he does really seem to be enjoying himself. But yeah, that's you know, or maybe he's maybe he's not, just not as visibly upset about the Russell, but he's actually upset. <laughs> right. He's trying to trying to keep his emotions in check. And it isn't until later when he's like he's cooled down and he's more into the groove and. He's able to share the stage and be happy. What is a minute by minute podcast, if not a place to ridiculously analyze <laughs> tiny moments? <laughs> I I am I did just swoop swoop past the uh, I've got the moon on my loop here, and I did see the um, um, Plexia when she was. They had the quick shot of of. Um, Penny and, and William and Plexia sort of uh, off to the side when she's mouthing along, along she does seem to be in time with the words that are being played on screen right then so that's that's another weird thing that you'll pull out for a minute by minute podcast right uh, and, and my last one back to where I last was kind of uh, with, with Jeff getting, getting up and I previously mentioned the beach ball so after he gets up a beach ball comes in and hits hits off the 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 PA boxes, like you're saying, uh, speakers, what have you, you know, off off the side of one of them into the stage, you know, and then right at the corner of the keyboard, it hits the hat even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if Jeff had been there at the time, <laughs> that would have been, uh, he, he probably could have found it pretty upsetting, I would think. All right, who threw that? Who, yeah. We're not playing another song until I know who threw that beach ball. <laughs> Has his uh his sort of Axel Rose meltdown, right? Uh, I, might... I guess you had to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Um, any other notes? I feel like we're winding down a bit. That's kinda it for me, yeah. Yeah. No, I I do think uh... I'm I'm in total reaction mode. It's if you guys say something that sparks something, then I go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think this, you know, this montage really shows the the band doing their thing well, right? And and enjoying it yeah. with each other. I, I think, you know, we sort of talked about whether or not that subtext was 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 there with the inner band tension and I I think this is sort of meant to be their party moment, right? Like this is we we see why they are who they are together because this is what they can bring into the world collectively you have to have a moment or several moments in the movie showing them making music and turning people on yeah yeah otherwise (laughs) otherwise it's just yeah i mean uh, if if we're supposed to believe that they are an on the rise band right we need to to see their their potential their talent yeah yeah it, it could have been really different if if you know we'd been hearing a whole you know whole half of a movie roughly say that they're this mid-level on the rise band and then we get you know it ends up they play a venue the first time we ever see them play a venue if they they had kept it from us forever and then it's a you know it's a little 20 person holding <laughs> space <laughs> and only one person is actually there and they mostly just do bob dylan covers poorly yeah, right. yeah. it's like uh... eric Eric, this is a sequence that they added footage to for the Untitled, correct? 
Um, well, and that's and that's what I think from what what I said last uh, minute is that you know yeah there's this that, that well, this one part this guy says the audience cheers and the band takes a bow thereupon. I mean, so I mean I guess technically that would be even next minute maybe. Um, but it's, it's from from the from the uh, you know the bootleg untitled cut. There, there really wasn't that much more, right? Like not a whole added scene, but just a no. like slight extension of what we've got here. Yeah, I, I have a recollection of Cameron Crowe saying somewhere at some point that because the songs aren't really in the spotlight like this in the movie elsewhere, and that people really enjoyed, you know, uh, "Love Comes and Goes," for example, mm-hmm. that they wanted to, they they had the ability to put a little bit more in, so. I just didn't do the research to back my uh, back my comments up. I'm not sure. <laughs> You're fine. But yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. It, I I know I know like what you found. I think I had found that before. Um, you know, you know, at least one whole song being played. You know, and 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 there's probably more. I mean, I have to imagine there's there's plenty more. Um, but but the big thing, and I've said this at least a couple times before. <laughs> um, but I'll let you know now, Mike. Too. Um, maybe Dave's heard it, or maybe hasn't. But um. You know, supposedly it's it's a it's, it was a Spielberg thing that Crow. I don't know if Spielberg actually actually read read the whole script himself or they just were talking, but Spielberg gave him the advice because I think Spielberg understood this this was such a passion project for Crow, unlike his other work. That you, you know, this is just just it was going to be his magnum opus. It was, it was, it's his, it's his life. It's, it's nearly autobiographical that, um, Spielberg told him, you know, you'll, you'll regret it if you don't shoot every bit of this dialogue. So it's, it's so much more about the dialogue than it is, you know, uh, a lot of these plenty of other scenes that, that are, that are great, but they don't have, it's, it's, it's not, you know, the dialogue that I think is is the most important part of the story. What's what what the characters say to each other is far more important than than just this atmospheric aspect. I agree. And so and so supposedly that's what he did, and that's that's the untitled cut. Except except there is the one thing that's missing from the untitled cut, which yeah, is Lord Zeppelin. The, yeah, the twelve minute stairway scene. Um, which is available on YouTube. Someone has put Stairway, combined it with it, unless it's been taken down recently. You know, it's very findable, and I can even, I'd be glad to give anyone a link at a time. I'd glad to see see if that link still works, at least, that I found previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, th- th- it's, a, it's a bonus feature on the Blu-ray. Untitled. That uh, and and it's and it's not with the music. It says put your own copy of <laughs> Stairway on. Start it now. <laughs> so uh, anything else? Nope. Going once, going twice. Nope. I think that's all I got. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Um, what we want to do now, I think, is uh, just hear more a little more from Mike. I think with you know first time seeing it multiple times. Yeah, how many times possibly? It's the years? uh It was a movie that I was aware of when it first came out mm-hmm. and it just I was like whatever. And then 
I remember very distinctly, I was in university. I'm Canadian, so we got university. (laughs) And uh, I had a geography final the next day. And my wife at the time, a friend of hers, had rented it on VHS and had given it to her for some reason because she was like, I'm done with this. Do you want to watch it and then return it for me? And she was like, sure. So she was watching that while I was studying and I came down to get something. And as I was walking back upstairs, I turned to look and I'm like, what are you watching? And she's like, oh, it's this movie that whatever. And I just got transfixed by it. And I was wanting to kind of figure out what this thing was all about. And uh, I think I missed the first maybe 10 minutes of it. Uh, But I sat down and watched the entire thing. And I was, I just fell in love with it instantly. And the character of Will spoke to me because... um, at the time, I was also um, trying to do more like entertainment journalism of my own, uh, primarily with like comic books and, and music and movies and stuff. And the music side of it, and the the characters and the relationships and the like, everything, everything about it was just. And I, I just barely passed my geography test. <laughs> I think I literally got like a 52 or something. It was not pretty, but I have no regrets because this, uh, this is one of my most beloved films. And I think it's just got a lot of really beautiful imagery in it. And there are parts of it that maybe haven't aged as well as they could, but they are kind of a time capsule. And if you're going to take any issue with it, maybe it's just the romanticism of those aspects, but you wouldn't be talking about the uh, scene from like uh, a month or month or so ago now. It's, it's uh, five, five or so minutes ago. Well, I mean, just the yeah, the whole idea of of the band aids. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the ages. The ages between the, the bands and the band aids. Yeah, and and I mean, it's all yeah. period accurate. Yeah. Um, That's for sure. So yeah, it's it's a I don't know. I think it's a complicated conversation. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I still have, like, this is still, this is still one of my favorite movies and it, I just get warm and fuzzy every time I watch it. And, uh, when I heard that you were doing the podcast, um, I threw my hat in as, as fast as I could and, and waited patiently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it has been a bit of, more of a wait than I thought it would be. Cause at first I started out three, three minutes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's gone by the wayside, but. But no, I, I mean, gosh, I'm I'm definitely still enjoying doing it. But it's it's becoming, you know, it's it's becoming doing it, you know, minute by minute for me. I mean, practically, you know, okay, I'm doing this minute, so I or, or a couple minutes, you know, when I have a couple, you know, a couple minutes in a row for particular guests like you guys coming coming up here. I think I have, I technically, I might have had three in a row back to the old <laughs> weekly format. But uh, one person had to jump out, so might have that uh, mixed up a little bit better and a little more agreeable to uh, getting recording sessions done instead of three, which could be easily three hours long. <laughs> two that are two hours long is much much more agreeable to me. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, gosh, I really appreciate you both, and and that's yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, your first experience with it there, Mike, and 
and, and it's hard for me to remember for sure exactly when I saw it either too. Cause yeah, you know, it wasn't totally on my radar. I, I was graduating at the time or that year that this came out. I had graduated earlier in the year and I just wasn't that into watching movies. I was trying to get a job, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out my life post graduation of college from college. There's yep. only a handful of movies that I actually remember the first time watching them. Yeah. And, uh, I've got a, I've got a special place in my heart for those, not even necessarily the films, but those moments. Um, I, I come from, I've got a history background and I have an archival mm-hmm. bent. So like having those moments for me is, is kind of cool. And, and I love the fact that, that I have one of those moments with this film. Cause I think it's a really special movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have, do you have any further, uh, plugging that you'd like to do there, Mike? Uh, well, I mean, I kind of gave the, the skinny on my podcasts yeah. on the last minute. So I'll just mention again that, uh, one of them is for your consideration, which is a, a film based discussion podcast analyzing, um, ostensibly the greatest films of all time based on the sight and sound list as of 2012. Uh, my other podcast is a podcast named Scooby-Doo, which is unraveling the history of mystery, um, basically creating an oral history of uh, the franchise because nobody's really done it before. And you can find my uh, Twitter accounts for those podcasts at FYC show or at Scooby-Doo cast. And there's Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts, which all kind of share. If you search the titles or, or those handles, you'll, you'll find all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'd encourage anybody to, Check it out. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Dave, what do you got? Um, I am, uh, you know, some someday producing listenable podcast episodes of podcasts called Rock and Roll High School Minute and Edge of Tomorrow Minute that uh, that will feature those two movies in this funky minute by minute style, uh, movie by minute style. And uh, on Facebook, we have holding pages for for both of them so if you just search for rock and roll high school minute and edge of tomorrow minute you should find something and if you like it you'll you should hopefully see something you know algorithms willing um when when we do release some episodes for you so um yeah go there and and click around and um maybe someday i'll make content eric don't quit bullying me (laughs) yeah I think that's part of the reason for doing like these guest spots on the minute podcasts for those of us who don't have minute podcasts yet is to just kind of like get in that groove. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Cause once you start listening or once you start doing this, uh, you can't not make one. Yeah. It's infectious for sure. You just have to find a movie that nobody's done yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that you feel you could endure all the work for. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Endure? I'm not enduring anything. <laughs> that's what I was just saying, this is fun. This is still fun. Well, yeah, that's because yeah. you you chose well. So, I mean, whoever chooses, uh, you know, poor poor Ter- whoever chooses Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's anything by Terrence Malick, right? Yeah, right. That's an endurance slog, I think. So, my co-host and I, we we actually we bandied about the possibility of a martyrs minute. Which we weren't sure what that would do to us mentally and emotionally, but <laughs> Ugh, can you imagine Requiem for a Dream Minute? Ugh. Oh, oh boy, Ugh. creepy. 
I don't I don't know whatever happened with the guy that was doing or the per- person I don't even know who for sure but we're, we're doing uh my minute or my my dinner with Andre. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember seeing that. One. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of uh, social social network plugging, I'll, I'll give out a little Facebook uh, myself um, uh, for the show. Uh, you can like our page at facebook.com slash almostfamousminute and our group that you can come and join and talk about the minutes and other things too, plenty of other things, I don't care, it's not a big deal, um, is called the Band-Aids Listener Society. So go check those out, and remember that we're on the uh, Pantheon Podcast Network, and you can find a lot more shows, uh, all music-related, at pantheonpodcast.com. And uh, I think that'll be it for this minute. Thanks so much, guys. This is Minute 75. Um, hopefully, uh, Dave, maybe, who knows, maybe down the road, I think, one more time. And I think, Mike, I think we do have something scheduled for you a little bit further down, I think. I hope so. Do you remember that? Ah, we'll find out. I threw in like a half a dozen minutes. Yeah. So whatever comes up that's open, I'm taking. (laughs) I really appreciate uh, your guys' help getting going through these uh, couple couple minutes, 74, 75. Um, We'll be back next week, hopefully, with uh, 76. Um, Every now and then, I do skip a week here or there, uh, and I do apologize (laughs) if I don't quite uh, even say anything about that on the socials. Um, I'll try to do better with that next time because because i because i am in, in various podcast groups i am hearing oh you know you sh- you know you should at least say something on like on your social networks <laughs> you know or, or give them a heads up way ahead of, you know ahead of time on on, on the previous minute or previous episode before you do uh have to miss any should you have to ever have to but uh you know well i'll just see if i can do better that's all i can really say can't i can't i Look, I'm I'm backlogged on yeah, uh, right. you know two thirds of the podcasts in my catcher. So, you know, if you take a break out, take take a week off, that's like almost yeah. like a favor to me. So that's yeah, yeah. And for so many people, it just does, doesn't it never ends up mattering because <laughs> yeah, there are just so few listeners. I think of any of any podcasts are really ever listening in time, so to speak. Um, so yeah, this has been great guys. Thanks so much. Uh, so we'll be back next week, hopefully minute 76 until then it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden God. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 